The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Now, when can I expect the president? You don't expect him. He expects you. He's really a great man, you know. That man carries a load that would kill ten ordinary men, and alone. You'd think that he'd spend uh, his time worrying about China or Russia. Hasn't slept in eight nights worrying about Libya. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, January 9th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Well, it's precisely because U.S. President Donald Trump is a great president that the Democrats in the U.S. voted to impeach him. And as of this recording, the contrived articles of impeachment have not as yet been delivered to the U.S. Senate, and in light of the recent tensions created by the U.S. taking out terrorist Qasem Soleimani last week, Trump may have created yet another issue for the Democrats to bitch and complain about him. But as a powerful meme of Trump's picture circulating on the internet and tweeted by Trump himself, so succinctly suggested, quote, The reality is, it's not me thereafter, it's you. I'm just in the way, end quote. And of course, the they that was being referred to was not some external military or terrorist threat, but the socialists and progressives among us particularly those in the Democratic Party and its allies in the corporate mainstream media. To help us wade through the myriad of false accusations being made against Trump, Robert Vaughn earlier connected with Dr. Salim Mansour, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at Western University, for his take on the whole impeachment fiasco, the unedited version of their conversation having originally been posted to Just Right's YouTube channel. We'll be hearing the essential highlights of that conversation and much more right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archive broadcasts, and of course, where we encourage you to offer your financial support and in so doing, become part of our effort to enlighten others about the true nature of freedom and capitalism. Salim, I think it was Confucius who said, life is simple, we just make it complicated. And the (laughs) impeachment vote in the House of Representatives in the United States is certainly one of those instances surrounding which there's so much complexity, which I think is unnecessary. To put that into context, I just want to go through just a couple of points in this complex issue that in my investigation, my reading, have come out to be the salient points in trying to understand this impeachment process. And that is that, first of all, there was a wealthy billionaire in the Ukraine by the name of Mykola Slokevsky, who created a company dealing in gas called Burisma. Now, Zalevsky, ironically, was also a minister for the ecology. Now, people can let that sink in for a bit. Just imagine if a CEO from one of the oil sands firms was our minister of the environment, how that would go down. 
but the allegation is that Burisma founder Mikhailov Zlokhevsky hired Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, having no experience in the gas industry whatsoever, in order to use Hunter's influence on his father, Joe Biden, at the time Vice President of the United States under Obama, to have a prosecutor fired, a Ukrainian prosecutor who happened to be investigating corruption and money laundering, and Burisma was on uh, the list of companies that they were investigating. And to use Joe Biden's words, well, the son of a bitch got fired. So later on, at Council for Foreign Relations video, Joe Biden bragged about the fact that he had the prosecutor fired, although he did not bring up his son, of course. Jump forward to July 25th, and we have the President of the United States, now Donald Trump, calling up the new President of the Ukraine, Zelensky, and the conversation became grounds for impeaching the President. And I have the transcript here, which is basically the only document of any hard substantial evidence for impeachment that was presented to the House the rest being all innuendo and hearsay. So if we look through the transcript, there are two points that jump out. At one point in the conversation, the president says to Zelensky, I would like you to do us a favor. I'd like you to find out what happened to this whole situation with Ukraine. Uh, they say crowd strike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people and then it becomes inaudible. Um, the server he mentions, they say Ukraine has it. So in other words, this was about crowd strike. This favor was about finding out about CrowdStrike, and CrowdStrike, of course, was a company who helped investigate the leaking of the emails from the Democratic National Committee. Later on in the transcript, he talks about a completely different thing. So no, no favors are mentioned, but he talks about, and I'm quoting here, the other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the Attorney General, and he's talking here, I think, about the American Attorney General, would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution, so if you can look into it, it sounds horrible to me. That's it. That's the entire evidence that people have to look at. A transcript that is perfectly innocent in my estimation. No quid pro quo, no if you don't do this then I will do that, unlike with Joe Biden, if you don't fire the prosecutor I won't loan you a billion dollars. So, Salim, with that background, what does this impeachment, and you can talk about the vote, what does the uh, vote on the impeachment, because he hasn't been impeached yet in my thoughts, mean? Give us your expert opinion. <laughs> It means a lot. I mean, books will be written. I mean, uh, 100, 150, 200 years from now, people will be looking back on this whole episode of this vote that happened and whether that vote is in any way to be taken as a fact that the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, has been impeached by the House. The Constitution gives the House the responsibility to impeach a sitting president. And then the articles of impeachment goes to the Senate, and it is in the Senate that the trial takes place. So the question that you have raised, whether 
uh, the president has been impeached or not because that has gone into the record and whether that is as a matter of fact an impeachment has happened or it is all a fairy tale because Nancy Pelosi the speaker of the house has so far not sent the articles of impeachment to the senate you know and so we are in that sense in a totally uncharted territory but getting back to the story that you have told and very well is a story that has no leg when it comes to charging the president according to the constitution i mean the constitution is very clear and so in article 2 which is the article that deals with the chief executive section 4 of the article has just this following phrase the president shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason bribery or the high crimes and misdemeanor and none of that stands you know when when one goes into the nitty gritty detail and the democrats seized upon that conversation of july 25 to blow it up into that the president had engaged in quid pro quo and uh, the president asked for investigation because ukraine is one of the most corrupt governments in the face of this earth and there's all sorts of issues surrounding what is happening with the american aid money going into the ukraine and the, and the scheme of kickback so that's that's what it is we can go into the gritty detail but i would want to put it into context why did this july 25th call became the trigger for the democrats to go into such a huff that the president is a clear and present danger he has to be immediately removed that mean impeached and removed because he will otherwise continue to tamper with the help of foreign government the due electoral process in american politics you know that he he is a person who cannot be trusted who is a traitor who has who is a stooge and a puppet of first instance vladimir putin of of russia and now of president zelensky who is asked for a favor personal favor that's the quid pro quo business and a bribery the bribery is that you know if you do us this favor we will then release the foreign aid money to Ukraine that has been passed by the, the Congress so why was this all ginned up rigged up and that's the interesting story you see a couple of months before the July 25th call the much anticipated muller special counsel robert muller to investigate the russia collusion came down with a report after 22 months of investigation after spending millions of dollar i believe over 35 million dollar 40 lawyers that was in the team of the special counsel robert muller over 2800 subpoenas uh, 500 witnesses and so on and so forth they came out with nothing it was a big thud now the democratic party the deep state had invested all of their energy and all of their expectation that Robert Mueller will find the goods on president Trump that he will find that that allegation that had been ginned up by uh, the FBI by the CIA by by the uh, director of the national intelligence that is all high intelligence officials of the Obama administration based upon a document that people 
came to know very soon that was a fake document bought and paid for by the Hillary campaign, that is the Christopher Steele dossier that accused and alleged the relationship, some of them most salacious conduct on the part of President Trump and the relationship between the Russian Federation with Vladimir Putin and President Trump, all beginning with the accusation that the Russians basically hacked the homebrew server of Hillary Clinton when she was the Secretary of State, something like 33,000 emails. So here it is. The effort to get the president impeached has been the entire priority of the Democratic Party, of Hillary, of the deep state, uh, that now we know. We would not have known any of these things if Hillary had been elected. All of this would have gone under the bridge. And now we know that the Obama administration had weaponized the intelligence community, that is, the 17 intelligence agencies of the American state, most importantly, the CIA, the FBI, the DNI, the Defense Department intelligence, and so on and so forth. They had weaponized it to gather information, to surveil the Trump campaign, to monitor and wiretap them. And they, of course, denied all of this thing. And now we know that. And how do we know that? Well, first of all, there was those hearings that took place in 2017 in the Congress. And the Democrats kept saying that these are all fake. There's nothing to it. And then in the 2018 election, the Democrats took the House back. And so now they have the control of the various committees, the intelligence committee, the judiciary, and so on. And they ratcheted up their effort to find the reason to indict the president. They had the Mueller special counsel working away full time. And the thing that people began to suspect, or enough people began to suspect in America of what had happened with the Obama administration, all came together when, on December the 9th, the Office of the Inspector General for the FBI, Michael Horowitz, released the final report on the FBI and pointed out all the malfeasance all the corruption, all the irregularities, all the impropriety that James Scopey, the FBI director, had used the Steele dossier and his people in the FBI leadership, the deputy director, the lawyers, Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, they had used the Steele dossier to get the FISA code to give the warrant to surveil and spy upon Trump campaign yes. member team. In fact, they were very low members, Carter Page and George Papadopoulos, and, and they were doing that to use them to enter into the Trump campaign. And now we know all of this thing. It's true, Celine, because I think what we're getting into, though, is the unnecessary complexity of this issue. But I think that you've, you've hit upon the, the one simple explanation that the Democrats from day one, January 20th of 2017, have told the American public they will impeach this president. So all they did was had to wait until they got the lower house back two years later, and then they just had to find anything that they could label a high crime or a misdemeanor. And so all of the backstory with Mueller and the FBI and the Steele dossier, that failed. 
that was just keeping time until they could find something and then all of a sudden he calls and mentions Joe Biden a rival politically to investigate the matter and so this was in the works since day one the Democrats were out to nullify this vote of 63 million Americans to elect Donald J. Trump as their president. Now that is the high crime and misdemeanor. So everything that the Democrats have thrown at President Trump is ironically a projection of what they have been doing. They have done the surveillance the yes. illegal surveillance. They have used the FISA code to spy upon American citizen that is prohibited. They have used the FBI in a corrupt manner, that is the FBI director, James Comey, in a corrupt and improper manner to interfere in a domestic political campaign. In fact, the list of impropriety, irregularity, and unlawful behavior is too long for you and me to go through it. I just wanted to establish that. Oh yes, what it is, is uh, Salim, what it is, <coughs> as you correctly point out, is a distraction. It is a diversion so that people look at Trump rather yes. than look at the actual money laundering of Burisma, yes. uh, where the federal aid from the Obama administration to the Ukraine went, and we're talking yes. $7.5 billion, 80% of which was American funds, according to uh, Rudolph Giuliani. We're looking at why did Burisma hire Hunter Biden when he has no experience? What else could he have been hired for other than the fact that he was the vice president's son? The first thing is that it's been planned from the beginning. The second thing is that it's a cover-up. It's a diversion. Extra, extra, read all about it. The Democrats have just hoisted themselves on their own petard. Guaranteeing Donald Trump re-election in 2020. Nancy Pelosi, wrapping herself in God, country, and the American flag, has called for the impeachment of the 45th president of the United States, unleashing her loony leftist partisans in the most blatant political effort to impeach a duly elected president in history, who they have viciously attacked from day one. Mr. Pinocchio himself, Adam Schiff, and his band of puppeteers who know absolutely nothing about the Ukraine phone call testify first in the star chamber, sub-basement of Congress. Now those who pass rehearsal get to come up and peddle their talking points in Congress where there was no defined scope of the inquiry, no ability to confront the accuser, no right to call witnesses, no rebuttal, no subpoena power, no right in fact to be present. Now Democrats laugh and poo-poo the complaints about lack of process, but what makes America different from dictatorships is that everyone is cloaked in the presumption of innocence. But in the world of Schiff, a lying, scheming, self-important, pathetic lunatic, there are no such constitutional benefits. Their job is simply to nullify the vote of 63 million Americans because they hate Donald Trump. They want power and they will do anything to get it. Now, when the puppet show moved to Nadler's Judiciary Committee, Schiff's so-called intelligence report peddled lie after lie. 
and then they say the facts are not contested. I still don't know what the president's charged with. Their accusations move at a whack-a-mole speed from Russia collusion to racism and now Ukraine. Are you stupid? Or do you think we are? From day one, the president who shocked you by releasing the transcript proved there was no crime, quid pro quo, bribery, extortion, or abuse of power. The president said so. President Zelensky said so. The money was released. The Ukrainians got hundreds of millions of dollars for lethal aid and javelins to actually protect themselves. Consider the transcript an actual video that tells you whether the crime has occurred. Now, a clear reading of it is proof positive a crime did not occur. But no, we're supposed to listen to people who know nothing about the call, nothing about the facts, and who simply hate Donald Trump to boot. Ms. Williams, you didn't, you've never used the word bribery or bribe to uh, explain President Trump's conduct, correct? No, sir. Colonel Vindman, you haven't either. That is correct. Mr. Morrison, you were on that call, and there was no mention of withholding aid on the call, correct? That is correct, Congresswoman. And there was no quid pro quo, correct? Correct. No bribery? Correct. No extortion? Correct. In this impeachment hearing today, where we impeach presidents for treason or bribery or other high crimes, where is the impeachable offense in that call? Are either of you here today to assert there was an impeachable offense in that call? Shout it out. Anyone? And on top of that, they try to endear themselves to us by recalling their parents' and grandparents' struggles. My father fled the Soviets before ultimately finding refuge in the United States. My mother's family escaped the USSR after the Bolshevik Revolution. And she grew up stateless in Nazi Germany. I was born in the northeast of England, in the same region that George Washington's ancestors came from. My parents fled Europe during the Holocaust. Escaping the atrocities of that time, my parents left Germany for Uruguay. Next month will mark 40 years since my family arrived in, in the United States as refugees. Frankly, I don't give a damn about your personal history. We all have a story. Buck up, put on your big boy pants, and do the damn job we pay you to do. Save the rest for your cocktail parties. What else can we take away from this impeachment fiasco? The Burisma story that you have narrated is what they are using to indict the president and then to impeach him, and which is what they, the vote was about, the pay-to-play scheme by Joe Biden. Now, the bigger collusion story was the Russian collusion story. And who was colluding? It was Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. It was Hillary Clinton who had gone to Russia, said she's going to reset the button, for the relationship. It was Hillary Clinton who had sold, signed off the Uranium One deal that sold 20% of the uranium supply to the Russians. The Russian paid something like a half a million dollars for a 35-minute speech by Bill Clinton in Moscow. So everything that the Democrats have said that 
President Trump is guilty of is actually a, a projection of what the Democrats have been doing. And I think that needs to be established. The other thing is that President Trump had run, that is, as, as candidate, the Republican nominee in 2016 election, he had run, and he had been talking about that he is committed to draining the swamp. Here is the issue then. What is the swamp? That is the D.C. swamp, the capital swamp. That is the permanent bureaucracy in Washington, of which the intelligence agencies is one of the permanent bureaucracy. Then the setup in the Congress, the House and the Senate, and their activity, how corrupt they are, what has happened to the American people, you know, what has happened to the American economy, of how these people, the, the swamp, has maneuvered to enrich themselves and to in a sense, impoverish the American people. So here is a man who came with an openly stated goal and objective that he will drain the swamp. Mm -hmm. And so from the moment that he won the election on the night of November the 8th, 2016, the swamp has been busy to decapitate the president politically. And that's the story that we need to understand because the corporate media has twisted the fact completely around. The American media, the mainstream media, has been used by the Democratic Party through leaks after leaks, that is the swamp has leaked the story to brand the president as the culprit, as the traitor, as the guy who won a fraudulent election, as an instrument and tool of a foreign power, in this case Vladimir Putin. And this has been done by the corporate media, the television and the electronic press. So New York Times and Washington Post, uh, NBC, CBC, CNN, they have run a 24 by 7 campaign against Donald J. Trump right from the outset. Now, it is not only the corporate media in the United States, we are now talking about global also. The same thing in Canada. Apart from the few people who have followed this story in detail and have understood what is at play, the vast majority of the people is being very badly served by the media. Yes. And I would say deliberately badly served by the media. You go around and talk to the Canadians, they have no idea of what has happened in the United States. And they're all basically, especially in our universities and our colleges, by our elite establishment, that President Trump is a vulgar man, is a is a man who cannot be trusted, is a man, you know who has sold out American interests to, in this case, Russia, or to the Ukrainians, and so on and so forth. It has been basically the corporate media story that has been told, where the actual facts is just the reverse. This is the precedent that, in the last three years, has completely turned around the American economy, as he said he would do. Jobs have been created in November he had created something like 270,000 jobs. In his three-year term in office, over 7 million jobs have been created. Investment is flowing back. Industries are coming back to America. The economy is booming. The wages are high. The minority, the blacks and the Hispanic, they're having a record-breaking employment taking place. What happened in Canada? The same November that the American report came out that the $270,000 they had been created in one month, our report was, reported in the United States that we had lost something like 70,000 jobs. And that had been kept under cover during the October election. 
so that nobody would know. So the corporate media is no longer the fourth estate for the people holding the people in power accountable. In fact, it has become the instrument of the establishment. And in the United States, the question is whether the corporate media is now the Democratic Party and the Democratic Party is the instrument of the corporate media or the reverse. But whichever way it is, this is the billionaires in America, the corporate media, which is running a campaign against the people of America. Yes. And that's the story that needs to be understood. If you want to put it in a, in a larger context, Robert, this is where we are. Globalism. The Democrat Party is a globalist party. It is being run by the corporate media. The corporate media is a mouthpiece of the Democratic Party, and they are globalists. President Trump is the first president in American history who is actually a counter-revolutionary. He puts the interests of the nation state, make America great again. That's what the 2016 election was all about in America. That was the 2016 referendum in Britain all about, the Brexit, you know. We in Canada are the only in the Anglo-American sphere, that is the English-speaking country, out of step. The Australians have elected a conservative government, the Liberal Party in Australia. In December, in Britain, it was a resounding victory of Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party committed to Brexit, that is, a nail in the coffin of the globalists. So, Robert, to put in the larger, bigger context of the story of what has happened in America with Donald Trump is to understand that this effort to nullify his election is part of the globalist agenda of the deep state in the, in, in the United States, the Democratic Party, and that has been, in a sense, the effort of the globalists to prevent a nationalist, populist government in countries like Canada, Australia, and of course Britain take power. Canada is the only country without October election that has been not only bucking the trend of the rise of populist nationalist government against the globalist agenda, it seems that we uh, have gone on the other direction. We have actually gone along to elect a party and now a government that is fully committed to the globalist agenda yes. with, with the UN Paris Accord, UN Global Migration, Compact on Migration, UN Agenda 2030, and so on and so forth. So that that is a larger story. And you can see that the Canadian media is as complicit in spinning a narrative that basically smears the nationalist populist leader like Donald Trump or Boris Johnson, you know. In the case of Canada, it was Maxime Bernier who was basically smeared and destroyed. And that's what the corporate media did. From the very start, the mainstream media has not just been campaigning to destroy Donald Trump, but they've been predicting every day, basically, that he's already gone. Here's just a taste from his first year in office, and it hasn't stopped since. News. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a, a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on 
on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. Tape goes on for a long time. We only got up to August 2017. It's still hyperventilating. Um, and now we've got the same hyping of the hearings to impeach or sack Donald Trump for allegedly delaying military aid to Ukraine until it investigated his Democrat rival, Joe Biden, for corruption. Listen to them go off their nut last week. The case for impeachment has never been stronger. The evidence never so riveting after yesterday's explosive testimony. Kicking off what promises to be another explosive week in the impeachment inquiry. Uh, we're bracing for potentially an explosive opening statement. Those are some of the fireworks from today's explosive testimony. Another explosive day of testimony. High stakes heading into a potentially explosive week of testimony. The most explosive thing. This is a slow motion explosion. Major breaking news. The explosive, truly explosive opening remarks. I, I can't emphasize how explosive this is. How explosive. Very explosive. Daisy, does this maybe explain why the mainstream media is not trusted? I think it certainly does, Andrew. I, I mean, um, there is a joke on the internet um, in the form of the NPC meme. Now, NPC is a video game term and it stands for non-playable character. And an NPC in a video game says the same lines it's programmed to say over and over and over and over and over again, no matter what it is presented with. And that particular video came... Uh, character describes perfectly what we just heard in those couple of clips, which is particular <laughs> characters in the media that are programmed to say the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, no matter what they are presented with. And, and certainly in the case of impeachment, we see that. This whole thing, Andrew, was brought forward by Nancy Pelosi, I think, to distract from the fact that the Democratic candidates for president for 2020 are terrible. There is not one amongst them that you could possibly think a take on Donald Trump. Trump. And the the great thing is, amongst all this hype about, oh, it's explosive, it's bombshells, no one has been able to credibly accuse Donald Trump of any kind of crime. They tried with quid pro quo, they tried with campaign finance mucking around, they, they tried with bribery and back to quid pro quo. Last I'd heard, they were trying to fabricate a kind of bribery claim based on the fact that Trump was allegedly holding aid from the Ukraine if they didn't dig up dirt on Biden. But then, of course, there's the fact that the Ukraine didn't know that Trump was withholding the aid in the first place. And if you're trying to bribe someone, Andrew, generally you dangle the carrot in front of their nose rather than keeping it secret. So it's it is no so wonder Trump's approval rating has actually improved since the hearings and, have happened. It's just and unbelievable. Their fundraising is now double, I believe, of all the Democrats combined <laughs> because people think they're, the swamp's <laughs> out to get him. We've got to save him. This is ridiculous. That bombshell, by the way, was supposedly the last bombshell was supposedly the former ambassador of the European Union who's going to uh, dob Trump in that there was a quid pro quo. He wasn't giving this aid unless they investigated Joe Biden, whose son was getting an unexplained uh, lot of money from a Russian oligarch who was uh, Ukrainian oligarch who was corrupt. The ambassador then said, listen, I didn't hear Donald Trump say anything to me about a quid pro quo. I didn't hear that. Nothing. I just, I'm, I'm just intuiting this. I mean, it was just a joke. Folks don't believe the mainstream media when they rant about Donald Trump. I tell you what, Don, uh, Daisy, 
Donald Trump has destroyed the integrity or the, the reputation of the media, I think. Uh, that, is, that will be the one lasting thing about his uh, first term in the office. Oh, I, I fully agree. And, and this, this whole tantrum, Andrew, that they have been throwing since 2016 boils down to the fact that they are embarrassed that they, got, that they got it so wrong and they are all so in bed with the Democratic Party that they simply cannot accept that they lost. They have still not accepted the loss of the 2016 election, which proves how egotistical and egomaniacal and self-obsessed this mainstream media is. How dare the American public not comply with what they were feeding them? How dare their preferred candidate not, not, not win and their preferred narrative not be perpetuated? How dare the American people look elsewhere than the mainstream media for information like YouTubers and online bloggers, etc., etc.? How dare they? And as you say, Trump will go down in history as the first president of the United States to not give a toss about what the mainstream media thinks about him and they cannot stand it. But this is historical for another reason, too. We've seen the media for what it is, an ambulance chaser that only chases imaginary ambulances. Every story they chase collapses in a mild breeze. Happily, Trump is now treating the media the way the media treated you. For decades, the press could fashion a narrative to denigrate you as greedy, bigoted, narrow-minded, sexist. It was always a vertical relationship. There was you and the media on top treating you like their own personal outhouse. Now the media is on the receiving end, getting their ass kicked by Orange Godzilla. <laughs> Trump, Trump pulled back the curtain and we see the bias, the arrogance, the lies they portray as fact. And with that, Trump has now turned impeachment into an advantage. It's now like a cool scar you got in a knife fight in a dive bar after defending an orphan from a gang of mad bikers. I mean, think about it. You usher in the best economy, maybe in history, with success after success, and the reward is impeachment. I think you gotta wear that with pride. Sell shirts, badges, bumper stickers. Trump 2020, the greatest impeachment <laughs> ever. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. It almost sounds conspiratorial, doesn't it? But in fact, it is conspiratorial. What is a conspiracy? Is two or more people getting together to do something. It doesn't have to be hidden. It's an open conspiracy with all the globalists in the world, from George Soros, who has said that he hates the United States, who says that he wants an open society, you know, to Justin Trudeau, who says that the United Nations is the way to go and Canada is the first post-national state, to Merkel, to Macron, all of these globalists out there have openly said what they want. And the vote to impeach President Trump, arguably, the best president the United States has seen, at least in my living memory, just goes to show the extent to which these globalists will go to destroy the United States, to destroy anybody who gets in their way. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are times when, you know, conspiracy is simply a way to fabricate a story to undermine and delegitimize whoever is the target. But there are times 
when conspiracy happens. I mean, yes. but the fact of the matter is that the record that goes to show the improper illegalities and so on and so forth that happened with the FBI and the CIA, and now that those investigations are going, will, in a sense, once the indictment takes place, once the grand jury has heard it and the indictment takes place and the matter goes to the court, which is what many people expect, then, yeah, there was a conspiracy. I mean, these, these people fabricated a story, ran with that story, the corporate media participated in uh, broadcasting that story, and the politicians felt vindicated that what was imagined, you know, the little boy that cried wolf, and the wolf was there in their imagination, and they went on to operate on that or to act upon that narrative, that story that they themselves had created with the vote that took place for all of us to witness. But all of that goes to show how deep how concentrated and how focused was the effort of the Democratic Party and the deep state to nullify the vote of 63 million Americans who voted for Donald J. Trump to be the 45th President of the United States. And that effort continues, you know, and, and unless in the 2020 election, President Trump is not only re-elected, and I would predict that he's going to be re-elected, and he might be re-elected very well on a landslide election. You know, it might be of a historic proportion reaching the similar manner in which President Nixon won the election in 1972 against George McGovern when the Democratic Party nominated one of the most left-oriented senator as the Democratic nominee. Then in 1984, when Ronald Reagan won his re-election against Walter Mondale, that was a landslide election of a historic proportion, 49 to 1 in the Electoral College. That is 49 states for Ronald Reagan, one state for Walter Mondale, that was his home state. You bring up something... You bring up something, Salim, that I think is also germane to this discussion, and that is that people look at the votes that Trump got, but he got less votes than Hillary Clinton, and they're saying that, sure, we're going to be dismissing the votes of 49%, or almost 50% of the United States, but Hillary got more votes. But the point is that the United States isn't a democracy. It's a republic, and I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said when asked what form of government they've given us, he said, I've given you a republic if you can keep it. And I think that that's what's at the root of a lot of this, not just the globalism, though that's part of it, it's that Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, and un unfortunately, a vast number of Americans think they live in a democracy. They do not, but they're quickly losing their republic. And I think Ben Franklin is shaking his head in his grave over what's happened. No, no, Robert, very well said. I, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. And I want to expand on that a little bit if you give me the time. But I, I just want to conclude the thought that I was saying that the, that the president, uh, Donald Trump, will win the 2020 re-election very likely in a landslide manner. Yeah. Um, and those two elections of 1972 and 1984, I was just putting it in perspective in the, in the context of, of the sort of landslide that Donald Trump might win in 2020. But more importantly is 
the Republican Party taking back the House. Because if the Republican Party doesn't take back the House, the Democrats will continue yes. to do what we have seen the Democrats yes. doing once they took the House back in 2018 election. They have done nothing in terms of legislative agenda for the people of America, you know, whether it is on health care, whether it is on the economy, whether it is on jobs, uh, industry, agriculture, not a single legislation of any importance has been passed, except the irony that after they had voted for impeaching the president on those two articles, uh, obstruction of the Congress and abuse of power, the following day, they voted to pass, finally, the US-Mexico-Canada trade deal that had been sitting on the Democratic House that is on Nancy Pelosi's table for almost a year. Now, but coming back to what you observe, and that's so important that people understand, what the Democratic Party has become is no longer the Democratic Party that was it was once was, say, the party of John F. Kennedy, or the party of Harry L. Truman, or the party of even Franklin Roosevelt. What the Democratic Party has become, particularly in the period of the Obama administration, but in the last 25 years through the Clinton administration into the Obama administration is a full-blown, full-blown, unapologetic, progressive party. And now this has to be understood. Progressivism in American politics is nothing but another word, another term for socialism of some variety or even communism. It is a totally now left-wing, left-oriented party that wants to ditch the American Constitution and to make laws and to make legislation and to act as they go along. That means there's no more tradition. The, the opposition to electoral college, which is what you pointed out and which is what is their goal, is basically to turn America into a majoritarian country, which is progressivism, is about majoritarianism, which is just another word for dictatorship. Or mob rule. For mob rule, precisely. So they have, they have thrown aside all the fundamental basis of rule of law and constitutional government, as you correctly pointed out, the story of Benjamin Franklin, that's a republic, that is a republic ruled and governed by the constitution. So for instance, the bedrock principle in the rule of law not only in America, but in Western democracies going back all the way. And I would say it is in the English-speaking world particularly, going all the way back to Magna Carta, is an individual is innocent until proven guilty. The presumption of innocence. You are innocent. You can be charged with anything, but the onus, the burden of responsibility is for the prosecutor, for the attorney general, for the director of, uh, of justice in the American system, the DOJ, to go to the courts and then to prove without doubt in a court of law to your jury, to, the, to your peers as jury, that is the person who is in, indicted, without doubt that you are guilty. So the burden of proof is on the, on, 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 on the government, on, on the prosecutor, and the person, you can indict him for whatever you want, is innocent until it has been proven. You so know, I, I mentioned that the uh, election coming up in 2020, and if 
Donald Trump is reelected, that would be the jurists, all the Americans who would vote for him would have basically said the House is wrong to vote to impeach. This whole globalist agenda, it would be a vote against that, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%. Donald Trump has been impeached and an obviously and nakedly illegitimate impeachment this is. Apparently, the, the previous uh, five out of six presidents that were Republican have been at least attempted to be impeached by the Democrats. And right from the beginning of Donald Trump's presidency, the Democrats, or like, you know, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Maxine Waters, New York Times, the, the establishment, the Democratic establishment opposing Trump has been saying repeatedly, we are going to impeach Donald Trump. And they've made it happen. It looks like a witch hunt. So Channel 4 News had a reporter at the the Senate here at uh, the the congressional hearing, and I mean this is what one of the Democrats said. He says it's a witch hunt. Is it a witch hunt? If it's a witch hunt, we are certainly finding a lot of witches. That's the worst line you could possibly say. If this is a witch hunt, we're certainly finding a lot of witches. Every witch hunt finds a lot of witches. But believe it or not, and I can't believe I have to explain this to Democrats in 2019, there's no such thing as witches, you morons. Every person found in a witch hunt is innocent. That's why it's a witch hunt. You absolute morons. You're kicking yourself in the face. And I heard Kyle Kalinske say this when he was on Fox News. If there's a witch hunt, we're finding a lot of witches. You're not meant to be witch hunters. There are no witches. Whatever you found are innocent people. By the very definition of the terms you are using, you bloody fools. It should never again happen to another president. It is uh, incredible far worse than I would have ever thought possible. And it's, uh, it's an embarrassment to our country. It's dishonest. It's, uh, it's everything that a lot of people thought it would be, except far worse. So I'm going to get some very detailed briefing, but briefings, but they, uh, they are, uh, it's a very sad, it's a very sad day when I see that. Very sad day when a lot of people see that. They had known nothing. It was concocted. And you say what you want. That was a, a probably something that's never happened in the history of our country. Uh, Pam Bondi, I think you were able to look at some of the report and can address a little bit of it very well. If you might say a few words, I'd like to ask Kellyanne. I know you've looked at it also. Please. Sure, President. You know, so many of us um, who are career law enforcement today are outraged. And I think the American people really should be terrified that this could happen to you um, when we're supposed to live in a society of integrity and honesty. And this happened to the president, not just to the president. You know, this should be a good day, but it's not. It's a horrible day for the country. That this could happen to the president of the United States, that they could fabricate, falsify emails, lie, and omit exculpatory evidence in order to continue this witch hunt against the President of the United States. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Now we have the Durham investigation. Thank you very much. Uh, Kellyanne, please. Mr. President, 
President, thank you. I was the campaign manager during that time, and I would ask a simple question. Why no defensive briefing? Why not contact the Trump campaign? Why not contact candidate Trump or Governor Pence or Governor Christie, who at the time was arranging for the intelligence briefings for candidate Trump and was a public servant, a government official at that time as governor of New Jersey with a full intelligence uh, security clearance to receive that type of information. So you can't blame people for feeling that it was unfair and that the fix was in. And to think that perhaps people lied and spied and tried to subvert democracy just because they wanted someone else to win or just because they have a different political point of view. That is not the way the world's greatest democracy has been formed and can survive at a time such as this. I will just uh, repeat something that Attorney General Barr said today, Mr. President, that this was an intrusive investigation of a U.S. presidential campaign on the thinnest of suspicions. And that is chilling language for any of us who want our government to work for us and not against us. I only wish they had come and informed us, Mr. President, and we could have had the knowledge and the wherewithal to act at that time and not put the taxpayers through two plus protracted years of nonsense. Thank you, sir. Well, they fabricated evidence and they lied to the courts and they did all sorts of things to have it go their way. And this was something that uh, we can never allow ha to happen again. The report actually, and especially when you look into it and the details of the report, are far worse than anything I would have even imagined. What they were doing and what they would have done if I didn't make a certain move, a certain move that was a very important move, because it would have been even worse if that's possible. And they might have been able to succeed. This was an overthrow of government. This was an attempted overthrow. And a lot of people were in on it. And they got caught. They got caught red-handed. And I look forward to the Durham report, which is coming out in the not-too-distant future. Uh, it's got his own information, which is this information, plus, plus, plus. And it's an incredible thing that happened, and we're lucky we caught him. I think I'm going to put this down as one of our great achievements, because what we found and what we saw, uh, never, ever should this happen again in our country. So that's the thing. The, the point that you have made is very correct, that the people will completely negate by re-electing President Trump in 2020 what the House has done, what Pelosi has done. And the stain will be on the Democrats, on Nancy Pelosi, yes. that they rigged up this. It was a totally partisan vote. There was not a single Republican who voted for the articles of impeachment, only Democrats voted. But the irony is that the nay side had Democrats voting with the Republicans. So this, all of this thing has really backfired. But I come back to it, the issue of progressivism is so important. Progressivism today, as it was in the 20th century, very much a socialist agenda that is driven from the top, you know, authoritarian, majoritarian, and basically rubbishing the constitution. So now the globalists are using again that majoritarian argument, you know, no electoral college, the constitution is something of the past, you know. Mm. So 
from the progressivist point of view, this is a reactionary, counter-revolutionary document, and it has to be thrown into the garbage can of history. You saw how Justice Kavanaugh had to prove that he's innocent rather than the yeah. Democrats have to prove that he is guilty. And that's exactly what is happening with, with President Trump, that he is guilty. And he has to prove himself innocent, not the other way around. The Democrats have to have evidence. And in the two articles of impeachment, there is no evidence. It's all hearsay. In fact, their main witness, the prime witness, was Ambassador Sondland, who was the American ambassador to the European Union, and who said in open hearing that it was he who presumed that the conversation that Trump had with President Zelensky of Ukraine was one of quid pro quo. President Trump hadn't asked for a quid pro quo. It is Sondland who presumed that it was quid pro quo, and the whole argument collapsed. Yes. Again, I think you've done an excellent job of putting into the, this impeachment fiasco into context. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time as always, Salim. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. Now, before we wrap up today's show, I couldn't resist offering one final example of the kind of irresponsible and misleading editorializing about Donald Trump that we get constantly exposed to, even here in Canada. For Trump, impeachment is worse than defeat boldly asserts the headline on Andrew Cohen's December 21st commentary as it appeared in my local paper, the London Free Press. And I quote, No matter how much he denies the process and demeans his prosecutors, Donald J. Trump knows that things changed forever for him at 8.24 p.m. on December 18, 2019, when the United States House of Representatives approved the first article of impeachment against him. Some even say Trump had hoped to be impeached so that he could use it to raise money for his re-election, rally his conservative base, and crush his enemies. That's ridiculous. Everything we know about Trump suggests impeachment is devastating for him. It's a genuine humiliation to a man without shame who has not known humiliation or reversal in his privileged life. For Trump, impeachment is worse than electoral defeat. Impeachment becomes your new full name, as in the impeached Donald Trump. For a clinical narcissist whose ego is as fragile as porcelain, this has to cut deeply. If it is true that impeachment doesn't really matter anymore because it's all politics, then Trump would not have been as aggrieved as he has been in recent weeks, end quote. Wow. Cohen's entire commentary is full of nothing but this pure diatribe of a personal hatred directed towards Donald Trump. He talks about humiliation, shame, privileged life, a fragile ego. I mean, give me a break already. Not a single fact or scrap of evidence justifying Trump's impeachment is ever even mentioned once in Cohen's disgraceful opinion piece. I say, shame on Andrew Cohen for publicizing his own personal hatreds, and shame on the London Free Press for printing this hate literature. Of course, contrary to Cohen's ridiculous assertions, Trump knows it's not just about politics. It's about what can only be objectively described as immoral and criminal behavior on the part of his political enemies. And we can all see it, plain as day. So now we know precisely why Trump is just right when he concludes that the reality is it's not me thereafter, it's you, I'm just in the way. And on that note, but singing a different tune, remember, 
we're after you too, which is exactly why you are invited to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be so the biggest story in history is one we already saw coming, and it was one we knew the ending to, and we knew also that it would implode. But if you watch the news, you'd think differently. I mean, could this be the day that Donald Trump officially became a marked man forever? This is the day that Donald Trump officially became a marked man. And now there's a mark, permanent mark, on his record. The stain on his name is permanent. This is an indelible stain on the record, the legacy of Donald Trump. Oh, they love those stains. 